Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Today we are learning Maseches. What are we learning? Maseches Nazir Daf Samach Hey. And we're starting with a new Mishnah on the bottom of Samach Dalid Amud Beis. This new Mishnah discusses different iterations of finding human bodies um, and the establishment of a cemetery, which we've already seen uh, listed in the Gemara as some, some place where there are three Jewish bodies that are buried. And now we're going to see how those bodies need to be buried to be considered as an assumption as Jewish bodies. If we find them laying in a certain way, we can assume that they're Yidin. And if we find them laying differently, that they were buried differently than then Chorah, they're not Yidin. At least back in the day, that was the trend. The Mishnah opens four lines from the bottom on Samach Dalet Amidbez as follows. If a mace is found for the first time, that's what betchila means. Not that we knew about it. It was dug up for the first time since a person was buried. Nobody knew about it. And mushkav kedarko, he was lying down the way that we Jews bury people, which is face up and hands are down and legs are down. Normal way to, to do that. So then the din is when you find just one body, note low, the body can be moved. And ve'est fusaso. And as well, that which is stuck to it, namely the dirt that is around the mace has to be moved. If you're moving the body, if you're assuming the body to move it to another location, that's okay, but it needs to be with the dirt as well. We're going to give parameters to that on Samachayam and Allah. Now, what about Shnayim? What if you find two bodies, right? You're doing a construction dig and then all of a sudden you find one body. No problem. We know the din exhumed as long as it's with the with the dirt. Shnayim as well. Not lunvest fusasan, and both bodies can be moved. However, matzah If you find that there are three bodies that are buried in the same place, then im yesh bein zela zemi dalad amos vead shmona. We're in the very bottom line of samach dalad amud base. If we have these uh, three bodies within either four amos or within eight amos, harezesh chunas kvaros. If they're buried in this tight uh, order, then that is considered to be a shchunas kvaros. That is considered to be a cemetery. Why these dimensions of four amos and eight? Because it used to be that people were buried in like these underground crypts, and they were usually in the shape of four amos by eight amos. So they would have a crypt underground, and they would put mesim into the depth of the crypt. Again, all below, right? So we're up or above ground. Let's imagine that ground level was here, but there's a crypt, and it's eight almost wide. So they have a slip for a body over here and for a body over here. And so on the eight, uh, that's why if they're within eight, we can understand why they're there. If they're within four, we could also understand that. But if they're in less than that amount, that's not the way Jews bury. And if they're spread out more than eight almost, that's also not the way that Jews bury, at least back in the day. So that's what the Gemara says. Now we're on the top of Samachayam et Aleph, continuing the Mishnah. Once we have established that we have a Shchunas Kvaros, then it is our obligation to expand our search by 20 Amos. Uh, we'll see if in all directions or only in one direction to see if there are other crypts that are there. Now, the reason why the dimensions change is because the crypts weren't always put immediately near one another. Sometimes they were put a little bit of a distance away, hard to dig, hard to keep the body stable. And remember, of course, that there's a depth to the body. So like if your crypt is four by eight, that may well be true with the basic dimensions, but there's also six foot of body protruding outwards beyond, beyond the, the entry level of the crypt. So they had to space things out a little bit more. So that's what the Gemara says. You have to check 20 Amos as well. Let's say you do find someone toward the end of your 20 Amma search. Then, 
Now that we see that there is a body who's buried like a Yiddish body would be buried within 20 amos of the crypt. So then we have to keep looking out every 20 amos in order to make sure that there's no other people buried there. And why do we have to do this? Because we now have a standing assumption that it's a cemetery. But no other bodies? That's not a cemetery. Powder. Yeah. Or that's not, I, I don't know maybe how we look at it. Or what? Or maybe they were never there. That's a Jewish burial crypt. Those are not bodies. They're not matama. Unless, unless, as we already learned earlier, we look at the scoop of human ash as meaningful if there's no um, impurities in the burial spot. So if it's sealed in a box and you peek into the box and there is enough mace there, then even if it's powdered, it's still a mace. Mm -hmm. If it's not buried, if they're buried like we bury Jews, which is in a pine box in due time, the wood falls apart and bugs get in, impurities get in, then you can know that's no longer a mace. That would be Matame and Nazir. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm, I'm extrapolating a little bit. Maybe the din is different, but the Chorah, it's not a cemetery once the bodies are fully decomposed anymore because those are not those are not bodies anymore, I would imagine. And the Mishnah concludes with a very difficult line to understand. The reason why you have to keep checking every 20 Amos is because had it been that they were found this way, had it been that they were found, had they been found this way, so the Rivan here, a third of the way down, uh, kind of explains what's missing in the Mishnah. And the Rivan, if you look at Dibra Maschil, uh, had these bodies been found first, as we saw, that if you only had found one body by itself with no other bodies, with, with at least not three other bodies, you could move it, and so it can be moved with its dirt. Now that we found that there were at least three bodies within 20 amos, and there's one of them at the end of the, of the 20 amos, Therefore, that's considered shchunas kvaros. So the line is really in the mission is only a partial line. We're supposed to kind of assume the rest of it, which is written by the Rivan, rather clearly. That brings us to the end of the Mishnah. We are now four lines down from the top of Samachay Amid Aleph, and the Mishnah opens up with a handful of very, very important diukim. Now, now the way things are right now, 2023, and for the last 50 years, whatever the case may be, we. Um, uh, so what we're so what we are what we had learned uh, in our Mishnah is that it has to be that they're buried like Yidden, and the Gemara says that there are a lot of diukim to make. Amar Rav Yehuda Matzah. When we say that the body has to be found, that's Pratla Matsui, except for one that I already know is there. You can't move a body. That's not considered finding the body. Finding the body is finding the body. You can't just exhume a body just because you want to, if you know that it's there. We're only talking about a case where you don't know that it's there. And mace, when we say that he's a mace, that's prat laharug. You're not allowed to exhume the body of someone who's a harug, someone who was killed. Very different. So this is where you get into these major issues with, um, with the medical examiner's office. Uh, what's the psak on how the person died? If the person died of natural causes, okay, then uh, that's different. And if you find a person that was killed, so then the rules of exhuming seem to be different. I'm not speaking the mice up, just reading off the page when it's not psak. We said, Mushkov, that the person has to be lying down like a mensch. Pratli Yoshev, if a person is buried in a sitting position, that also is not a body that you can move around. 
When we say Kedarko, what does it mean that the person is buried Kedarko? That's Prat Lisherosha Munach Ben Yarkosa, not a pleasant way to be buried, where you're kind of folded over where your head is between your knees. Now, Tani Allah, Tani Ula Barchanina, Meis Shechaser, if there's a body that's missing part of its body, Ein Lo Tfusa, Veloshkunas Kvaros, that doesn't have a din of Tfusa, of, of moving dirt, and it also is not Begeder Shkunas Kvaros. Namely, if you have two bodies that are whole and one body that is partial, that's not considered a Shkunas Kvaros. My time below. Why are why do we have such such strict inferences in Diyukim? The Gemara says, Dilma because by virtue of the fact that we don't see the simanim of how a yid was buried, therefore we have to assume that it's an Oved Kochabim. And it's an Oved Kochabim, then we are not going to, to move them. We're only going to potentially move a yid uh, if it's necessary, but not uh, one that we fear may be a goy. There may not be anything wrong with moving a goy per se. They have less tumah than we do, or maybe no tumah, tumas mace. But here, the Gemara doesn't get into this, but why? Okay, so it might be a goy. If you have any reason to think it's a Jew, things would change. But if you're just saying stam, then call the parish meruba parish. Forget that. He's buried in a way that dead yidn aren't buried. You don't bury Jews folded in half. That's not what happens. We have uh, been to two funerals this week in the last two weeks. It's pine boxes. You do it the right way. Menchlach, chevra kedisha, everything is done right. Now, the Gemara uh, continues speaking on Samachayim et al with different versions of uh, cases of how Shechun Askvaros can be determined. If two bodies are found, they're buried in opposite directions, where the head of mace number one is by the feet of mace number two and vice versa. It's so interesting. There's a seder to how we bury. It's not just how is any one body buried. How are the bodies buried in relation to one another? And therefore, if the bodies are not buried seemingly in the same direction, or maybe I'm being a little, I'm inferring too much, but if they're, uh, they're, um, if they're planted backwards from one another, 180 degrees apart, that's not considered shunas kmaros. What if they're buried in an intersecting way instead of in an opposite way? Doesn't Gemara doesn't say. Unfortunately, with our history, there's so many times that the Holocaust or the old city and some of these bodies everywhere that were buried abnormally. But that's not Shkunas You can move those bodies. Yeah. It's not a Shkunas It's not like it's set aside, so to speak. It's not a cemetery. Yeah, they're not laid down nicely like a cemetery. They're the burial pits, like the massive uh, place, yeah. like these awful yeah. scenarios. So the Chorah, they're allowed to be moved. Without even flinching. Yeah, but that's meaning that's what the Gemara is saying. First of all, they were killed, so there's a separate in there. Also, you gotta. I don't want to talk about the Holocaust. It's very hard to talk about, but but the point is that if you, yeah, correct. They're yid. That, but that case is not this case. That, that case is not this. Yeah. yeah, this is the most minimal structure of a halachic cemetery, which then limits whether or not we could exhume and, and take dirt, as we're soon going to see more. But you're talking about well beyond this page, which is talking about what, what happens if you find people who we know are Jews that are buried the wrong way. Different story. Let's say uh, we'll give a practical case scenario. Person finds a body and the, the mug in David that the person was wearing is still present because it doesn't decay. Is that a riot brewer? Today is that does that mean anything? I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Probably enough that we would say, I'm just giving it as an example. You know, but probably enough. 
And what are what other indicators could you find? I don't know, but I you find a talus, you know. That's a very good sales pitch that the person's a yid, especially in Eretz Yisrael. That's a vaday that you're an Arab would never be buried in a talus. So all of your questions you're asking, they're great, but they're like they're off the page because they're they're different versions of uh, uh, different iterations of our Gemara. Okay, we're half, just about a third of the way down. Matzah Shlosha. Let's say you taka do find three bodies. However, you knew when you were digging that there was one body there. You were surprised to find two other bodies there. Oh, or perhaps the reverse, and this word should not say shnaim. Echad tchila, one of them was a surprise. Vishnaim yidun, and you knew about the other two. Ein lahem tfusa ve'ein lahem shchunas kvaros. That doesn't have the din of shchunas kvaros because you didn't know about those two people. Only if you knew about it, you're finding out now. Okay, then they can be moved, and they can you can then bury them properly. And the Gemara tells a story about this last din. Maisa berebi yishovav shebadak umatsa shnaim yidun ve'echad tchila. He was looking in his field, and he knew that there were two people buried there. Maybe they were loved ones. And then he was surprised to find a third skeleton as he was digging out the field. Then he's like, hey, I've got, I've got a golden opportunity. I already have a halachic cemetery. Let me go to the base medrash and get up sock that this is Taco Cemetery. I'll start selling plots. Um, I've got it made. So he goes to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, kol gata larika gata. All the hard work that you've done was for naught. You need it to be that all three of them have the same status of either I know that all three are there or, or that I didn't know that all three are there. But a mix of these two worlds of knowing that the mace was there and not knowing in its initial phase is not and therefore you could move the mason. Two-thirds of the way down, we had spoken about the dirt that one is allowed to take, required to take if, they're, if you're exhuming a body. And we can already kind of feel the implications that maybe there's some uh, leakage, something from the body that was absorbed in the soil immediately around the mace. And therefore, the Gemara says two-thirds of the way down on Samachayam at Aleph, note lun, you can move the body vest, fusas, and then the dirt around them. Here, the language of the Gemara is, uh, is very not correct. And the language should be minayin litfusa. How do we know that we're supposed to collect dirt? And even if you look in the Meforshim on the side, it doesn't even say tfusa with a fe. It says tvusa, which is a totally different word. I don't, I don't know what tvusa means, but obviously from the context of the Gemara, we know what's going on. What is the marimakom about the dirt? And the Gemara says, Omar of Yehuda, Omar Kra, Unasasani Mimitzrayim. We know the famed Pasuk of Veshachafti Mavosai, Unasasani Mimitzrayim, Ukvartani Bekurasam, Veyomar Anochi Vayomar. So the Gemara says, Take portions of the of Mitzrayim with me when you move me. It's Yosef. Says the Gemara, How much do we have to be concerned in volume of layers of dirt do we have to take with the mace? Pirish Revelazar, and the words, as we will soon see, cannot be Bereb Tzadok. So Pirish Revelazar, Notel Afar all of the very soft dirt that's immediately around the body, Pasha, that goes with the mace. And then as well, the chofer bibisula gimelets bos. We then dig out from the untouched ground, the virgin ground with a literal translation. We then cut out around the mace three etzbaos worth of regular, seemingly untouched dirt, just in case it absorbed part of the mace. This is where zaka comes in in regards to Rahmana Litzlan. These terrible snares are pulling up every piece of blood. That's part of the body in regards to kvura. That's this Gemara. That we have to make sure that we as Jews, that we bury body parts. As a moel, bury foreskins. So the post can discuss, uh, for the Shulchan Aruch, right? So I have sand in my basement. I put some 
Uh, I put the orla in some sand and then I can put the whole thing in the garbage. That's whatever. At that point, it's considered burial. Okay, uh, the Gemara has a problem with this sheet of Gimel Itzbos because we have a Brisa that seems to give a different shear for Tfusa. The Gemara says eight or nine lines from the bottom, Mesve, we have a Brisa, the Kama Shir Tfusa. What is the shear that when we are exhuming a body, we have to take dirt with it? The Gemara says, Pirish of Sadok. This is how we know it can't be the same person as previously. You take uh, wood chips. I guess they were buried with some kind of wood, maybe to absorb. I don't know. But the Gemara says, if there are wood chips there, those for sure you take. And the clumps of dirt that became clumps because of the absorption of liquids from the body. You remove that which you absolutely don't need. And you keep that which you think you might need. And everything that's going to go with the mace. And then the rest all counts as part of the volume of the human body. We assume that the absorption of any fluids from the body and that dirt is part of the mace. So therefore we have a stira because this brisa doesn't speak about gimel etzbos, whereas the sheet of Rebbe Lazar said that the shear of Tfusa was gimel etzbos, stira. So the Gemara says, no, Rebbe Lazar, the first opinion that we learn, Uda Amar ki haitana, Titania, the brisa writes, v'kama shir Tfusa, Amar Rebbe Yochanan, mishum ben azai, no tal afar tichuach v'chofer b'besula shalash etzbos. You're right, it's actually a machlokes hamoraim, uh, machlokes tanaim, excuse me. We had the tana that we saw in the brisa, which was the sheet of Rebbe Lazar, Reb Tzadok, and the Rebbe Lazar that we saw earlier, that is actually really the Shita of Rebbe Yochanan in the name of Ben Azai, and that solves for that machlokas. The last two lines on the bottom of Samachayim Amr Aleph refer to the words Bodek Heimenu, which is what we saw, that after we determined that there are three bodies in one particular place, we then determine that place as Shunas Kvaros, and therefore we have to check out 20 Amos. The Gemara says, Omar Rava, Rava says, let's uh, slightly change how you navigate it. Let's say you're uh, cleaning out your field. You take a shovel, you start digging, and you find the body. Badak, upana. You checked out, you found a body, and you move the body first without checking for other bodies. One body. And then badak, upana. And then as you're digging, you're like, hmm, two bodies. Okay, I'm going to move that one too. Then badak ve'ashkach. And then you moved, a, moved we're, we're searching again, and you taka found a third body. The problem is that really it should have been a shchunas kvaros, but you move them one at a time. So do we now say that we should have moved those bodies and now we're stuck? Can we move the third body? Yes or no? The first two, when I moved them, I was under the assumption it was the only mace. When you uh, when someone's digging in their backyard and they find a, a, a body, they call 911. They, the police come out. The police will check everywhere. In your brain, you're like, there's no way that there's two people buried in my backyard. You find person number one, you move them over to the cemetery. You find person number two, you move them over to the cemetery. By the time you find the third one, you're like, I made a mistake. Really, it was a shkunas kvaros, and I moved the first two bodies. What do I do with the third body? So the Gemara says, Lo The one that's remaining, really the third one, the one that clinched that this is going to be, a shkunas kvaros can't be moved to the other two. And the reverse is also true. And the two that I've already moved, I can't move back. Why? Because it's Shunas Kvaros, and you broke up the Shunas Kvaros, but you did so when you shouldn't have, because you shouldn't have moved the bodies until you verified that it wasn't a Shunas Kvaros.
And some say this is incorrect. This version that we just said, where we don't move the bodies at this point, is not true. Once, technically, you did nothing wrong with the first two that you moved. Therefore, you should move the third one to where the other two are. And now, in that new location, you have a new Shunas Kvaros. So, unclear from the Gemara which one we hold like, but an interesting case, nevertheless. Five lines down. We're going to be going to the Mishnah, which is two-thirds of the way down, and then we'll stop. Tomorrow, Mirta Shem will be our siyum. Uh, Yitz is going to be cooking up some food. If you have yet to sign up and you're interested, tonight is the night. Please let me know. Omar Reish Lakish. Um, why is it that Rava in this second version was being so lenient? Really, the initial place was the Shchunas Kvaros. Really, the initial places were the third maces. I took away mace number one to a new location, mace number two to a new location, mace number three, Ba'asher Husham. That's really the Shunas Kvaros. But you move the other two. Why are we being so mekel? So Rish Lakish explains, We want to find leniencies in regards to Eretz Yisrael. We want to try and create as many scenarios of Kula around Tuma where we can. And we don't always have a lot of latitude because a mace is a big problem. So here we allow for this to happen instead of having two places that are based on Kvaros. So we're going to move the third one. And that is a leniency that we'll rely upon. We had said, Badak me Esram Amav Sure. If it's a family, there is a leniency very next to a family. So why, why is it you're doing two bodies that could be causing the life and all of a sudden there's a child? It's only on a certain level proper to move the child. Yeah. Right? I mean, this second version of Rava would agree. Right, but the second version of Rava would be Mekel anyways because of Eretz Yisrael. Meaning, implying from the Gemara that the reason why Rish Lakish over here says the reason we're being lenient is because we want to have fewer spaces where Kohanim can't go in Eretz Yisrael. So that's a Kula, and then for sure they put them... Once you move that 35, right? Don't you have to dig another 20 ounces to see Yep. So it's still... It is a base of Kvaros. Right. That's a great question. That's a great question. I have no idea. Why isn't the Gemara concerned about that? Meaning the fact that we're being makal on the third body now is uh, it's a cool affair to Israel, but, but that doesn't mean it's not a base of Kvaros. So then... Beautiful question. I have no idea. Happens to be the Gemara blends right back into that sugya of the 20 Amos, but it doesn't really explain your question. The Gemara asks, Let's say you check, and Balei Atos was here explained, you check in one direction of 20 Amos. Do you have to build like a perfect circle of no skeletons? Like, how does this work? You remember the the pictures we saw in Maseches Eruvin, like you had the the migrash in the middle, and you had a shape going out this way and an equal perfect. Are we building a circle? Are we building squares? A marvichen es hazavios, like we saw earlier in Shas Maseches Shabbos. The Gemara doesn't discuss any of that, but the Gemara, the Balei Tosos here writes, uh, the third Tosos he writes. It's hard to call it the third. There's a lot of black bolts here. Badak mikav amavol matzamai de leechad min aruchos miamrinen ki hechid leruach zelo matza lo yehezakuk livdog leshar haruchos. Do we say that because we didn't find this in one direction, therefore, uh, I can assume the others, why would you assume that? I don't know. Three-fourths have been unchecked and you feel satisfied. 
That's what the Gemara is asking. That's what the, that was the question of Badak Measer Mama Velo Matzamai. So Amar Abenasya Bar Yirmiya Amar Rab Shchunas Kvaros. And this answer is very difficult to understand. What does that mean, Shchunas Kvaros? So so it's not. But Tosfos says it's an answer. So in that same Tosfos, the second half of the Ramasal Badak reads Amar Rab Mesharshi Shchunas Kvaros Klomar Shchunas Kvaros Shel Shlosha Shenimtu Kvar Yeshlo Avaloyitz Darech Yoser Livdok. You only have to check in one direction for 20 amos. Why? Back in the Gemara, my This might actually be an answer to Stan's question in some way. It's not a really good answer, but maybe what the Gemara is saying is that out of, uh, out of as it stands for Eretz Yisrael, because we're trying to create more spaces where Kohanim can go. So yeah, you found your Shchunas Kvaros and you have to check at least in one direction for another mace. It's a big kula. But remember, it's too much at the home, so we don't have to really worry about the other mesim. They're underground. Nobody knows they're there. And I checked in one direction, so we have a kula. What's implied from this is that if you're in chutzlaharetz, you'd have to check. I don't know, again, I'm not, uh, just what's implied from the Gemara is that the kula only applies in Eretz Yisrael because we don't have this, this idea of ilam Let's learn one more sugya for tonight. The Mishnah reads about a quarter of the way down, kol safek negayim betchila tahor, in regards to a nega that's new, if you have an element of suffix, your previous standing chazaka was tahor. So therefore, in this case, you'll remain tahor. Until you're in a category of tuma. But if you already were tameh, and you were had an assumption of tuma, then sveko tameh. Then whatever your standing assumption was before continues. The Gemara says, Where do we know this from? That suffix negoim betchila tahor, that if you have a nega, and it's new to you, and your uh, your previous assumption was tahor that you remain tahor out of out of suffix. The Gemara says, "Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rav, Amar Kra." The pasuk reads, "Ataro o letame o." It first says the word tahor or tame ho lupasach ba'akas betaro tchila. And because the Torah says the word tara first, we therefore assume that when you first have an aspect of suffix in regards to a nega, we assume that that suffix is tahor. Says the Gemara, that's a very bad argument. Ihachi afilu mishnitz gak betuma nami sveko tahor. What if you were what if you were tame before and you see a new nega? You're going to say that the pasuk says tahor first, and then in the case of suffix, you're going to be why that doesn't even make any sense. You were starting with the chazaka of tuma that you found a new nega. Why would your suffix be tahor? You should just because the pasuk says tahor doesn't mean we should be unreasonable. So the Gemara says you're 100 right. Ella, that comment of Rav Yehuda Marav quoting the pasuk was not here. Ella ki itmar Rav Yehuda Marav aha itmar was on a different sugya. A related sugya, but a different sugya. The pasuk says, uh, not the pasuk. The brayser reads halfway down. Im baheres lavan. If this lesion on the skin preceded the growth of white hair, then tame. Im sear lavan kodem lebaheres. And if the white hair of this lesion grew, if the white hair grew first, and then the baheres grew around it, tahor. And suffix tame. If there's a suffix in either of these cases, you're tame. Rabbi Yeshua Omer Keha. Rabbi Yeshua Omer says, no, we're, we pass in the kula. Keha literally means light colored. What the Gemara means is the din is like a lesion that's light colored, irrelevant to what color it is. In a case of suffix, my Keha, what does that mean? Omer of Yehuda, Keha Vitarim. It's, it's going to be a leniency that the color is a good color. The Dilma Keha Vitame. Why would you say that it's Keha Vitame? Keha Maybe it's Keha Vitame. 
How do you know what to assume this suffix should be? And this, that because the Pasuk says Tahor first, so when we have a case of suffix in regards to the specific case of Baharis and the Seir Lavan, then we're going to be making But you're right. You're right. If you started with an assumption of Tuma, you would remain Tameh. Tomorrow, Mir Tashem, we're going to learn the last blot of Maseches, Nazir Mir Tashem. We're going to be picking up from this Mishnah, which is um, two thirds of the way down. Wishing you all a beautiful night. Thank you.